Welcome to Fiscal One-on-One. This Iowa Legislative Services Agency audio program consists of interviews conducted by the Fiscal Services Division staff. Each brief conversational interview features an expert answering questions concerning a fiscal topic of interest within an Iowa State agency. The following interview was conducted on October 24, 2012. Dwayne Ferguson, Senior Fiscal Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency, interviewed Mary Neubauer, Vice President of External Relations for the Iowa Lottery, regarding the history and organization of the Iowa Lottery, its funding, security, and issues facing the lottery. Today, lottery proceeds in Iowa have three main purposes. They provide support for veterans and their families through the Iowa Veterans Trust Fund, help for a variety of significant projects through the State General Fund, and provide backing for the Vision Iowa program, which was implemented to create tourism destinations and community attractions in the state and build and repair schools. Hello, I'm Dwayne Ferguson, Senior Analyst with the Fiscal Division Legislative Services Agency. I'm here today with Mary Neubauer, Vice President of External Relations for the Iowa Lottery, and we're going to learn a little bit about the Iowa Lottery. Good afternoon, Mary. Good Uh, afternoon, Dwayne. So what is it that you do here at the Lottery? Our inside joke here at the Lottery is that we spend our days selling non-winning tickets because the winning tickets sell themselves. But really, we're marketing games, we're certainly selling and cashing tickets, We're conducting security checks to make sure everything is on the up and up, and we're providing information about the lottery just like we're doing here today because people definitely have a fascination with all that money, and they want to make sure that things are being run the right way, which is equally important. Okay, great. Let's start off with the history. Can you tell us how the lottery got started and what led to its development? Sure. The push for a lottery in Iowa actually dates back to the mid-1970s, and that's when the people of Iowa actually voted in a statewide referendum to allow a lottery. Before that, there was a constitutional prohibition on a lottery that had been put in place in Iowa and really just about every other state in the Union back in the 1800s because there had been a lottery scandal from the state of Louisiana about a fixed game that had led to a prohibition of lotteries in the United States for many years. Then modern lotteries started today and really what started the push for the lottery here is that there were lotteries in surrounding states, particularly in Illinois. And I've heard from many longtime legislators who will still tell me that they just got tired of hearing from getting beat up on by their constituents who would tell them that they had to drive across the river to buy their lottery tickets and they wanted to be able to do that here at home. So there was a statewide referendum in the early 70s to change the state constitution to allow a lottery. And then after that referendum passed, then the push for legislation began. And legislation allowing a lottery was passed through the legislature a couple different times, was vetoed, and then finally was signed into law that third time in 1985. And at the time that the Iowa lottery started selling tickets, which I believe was on August 22nd of 1985, it was the fastest startup for a lottery here in the United States at that time. The legislation was signed in April and the lottery began sales in August, which is just mind-boggling if you stop and think that everything that would have had to have been done. How has the lottery grown and changed over the years? It's so funny for us who work at the lottery today to look back at the early reports that we see because when the Iowa lottery began in August of 1985 there was one game 
It was a $1 game, it was a scratch game, and that was the only game that there was. Today we have dozens of scratch games for sale at any one time. We have six lotto games, we have pull tab games, we've had other products through the years, but back then it was just one game in town and that's it. And then gradually over time, lotteries discovered what just about any other consumer product has discovered, that people like choices. They may like this particular game today, but they might want to try something else tomorrow. So gradually over time, more scratch games were added, lotto games were added. The first lotto game began sales in Iowa in 1986, and those games certainly have changed over time. Powerball and Mega Millions are what everybody knows today with those giant jackpots. And then pull tabs, which are a paper product that you pull the tabs on. Scratch games, you scratch the latex. Lotto games, you watch the drawing. Pull tabs were introduced in 1987. So we still have those three products in the marketplace today. Probably the most mature of them is pull tabs, and we're internally talking about trying to improve that product or what we can do to help pull tab sales because they've been falling in Iowa for a few years now. And I think it's just with today's modern conveniences, I think it's kind of starting to be an older play style that we need to look at to see what we can do with it. Interesting. So out of all of those, which is most profitable? Most profitable on an individual ticket would be lotto games like Powerball and Mega Millions. Those have about a 50% payout for the game, but the product category that makes us the most money is scratch games, which is surprising for a lot of people because it's Powerball and Mega Millions with those huge jackpots that get all the attention, but scratch games are the bread and butter of the lottery industry, in part because there are so many of them on the market and we keep anywhere between 20 and 30 scratch games for sale at one time. As I said, people like choices. They want to be able to play one game today and maybe a different game tomorrow. So we put enormous research into the color of the tickets and the play style of the tickets and the theme on the tickets. Iowans love animal games. So I don't know why, but yeah, put a dog or a kitty or um, even a pig on the ticket and it will sell well in Iowa. We like animals here, which is nice. We're a farm heritage state, so maybe that's where it comes from. Basically three types and all sorts of scratch games changing all the time. Yeah. I was surprised that the scratch games would be the most profitable. I expected in, it to be the biggest. Yeah. Ones. In terms of the total dollars that they bring in for the state, that's the lottery's biggest category. As I said, if it's on an individual ticket basis, the lotto games make more on an individual ticket basis, but we sell more scratch tickets mm -hmm. here. And that's true generally across the country, as I said. It's just that those big jackpots get so much attention that that's what everybody thinks of. Since we're kind of talking about the funding, how much revenue does the lottery bring in? Since the lottery started back in 1985, we are pushing almost 1.4 billion, that's billion with a B, which I think people find surprising because it's a tremendous amount of money that's been raised over all those years. In the lottery's latest fiscal year, which was 2012, we raised almost $79 million in proceeds for the state, which was a record year for the lottery. We've had some very good years recently, and I think it's because we've put so much effort into the research and the design of the games, as we've talked about. And folks may go to the store and think it's just a fun game to play, but I think they would be surprised at the amount of scientific research that goes into producing those games. What kind of research do you do? We research, as I said, everything from the color of the ticket, what color sells the best. We try to keep a mix of colors out there because 
Some people might like a brown game and other people might like a purple game and other people might like a green game. And then as I said, the game themes, the play style on the tickets. And when it comes to a game like Powerball, Hot Lotto, Mega Millions, we look at how many times a week to have a drawing, how people like to pick their numbers, the range of numbers to include in there. It's mind-boggling the amount of research that goes into it. And then the security to stay one step ahead of those who might try to do something untoward. You constantly have to stay on your toes on that front. Well, since you mentioned security, let's go ahead and talk about all right. that. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> that is a big deal for the lottery. It's, so what do you all do for security? It's one of the biggest components of the lottery. The reason why the lottery started was to provide this type of gaming entertainment that the people of Iowa were demanding, but also to ensure that it was done in a safe way with integrity. And integrity is at the heart of everything we do. And every governor that I have had the pleasure of working for has talked about keep the integrity. Integrity has to be job one because if you lose the integrity then no one's going to want to play. So I think that we would surprise people again when I talk about the scientific research that goes into a ticket. I think it would surprise people to know the security measures that are behind that ticket. So when you walk into a store and you buy a Powerball ticket, for example, we can tell you precisely when you purchase the ticket. We can tell you if there was one play on the ticket or five plays on the ticket. We can tell you if you just bought one ticket or if you bought a whole bunch of tickets at once. And on the scratch games, it's the same kind of evidence that's on those tickets. Also, it is a felony in Iowa to steal a lottery ticket. Many other items that might have a face value of a lottery ticket anywhere from a dollar to twenty dollars it might be a misdemeanor but it is a felony in Iowa to steal a lottery ticket because of the amount of money that could be involved in terms of the prizes that you could win so our folks are also out in the stores conducting security checks to ensure that the customers are doing the right thing when they're cashing tickets and that the clerks are doing the right thing when they're cashing the tickets so that someone isn't trying to fix a drawing or steal a ticket from someone. Those are all part of the picture and we don't delve too deeply into it because there are security protocols that we have to keep to ourselves. It's all, it's all part of running the game. If I told you, then I'd have to make you work here so that you couldn't play. Of course, we joke about it, but as I said, integrity is one of the most important things that we keep in mind here every day because if people don't have faith in the game and don't have trust in the game, then they wouldn't play and there wouldn't be a lottery. So do you have someone on staff who's assigned to security? Yes, we actually have a team of security officers, all of whom have law enforcement experience. Our vice president of security used to head the DCI, and we have several folks who used to work at the DCI or in the sheriff's departments or police departments who are on our staff. And they're the ones, when a ticket is stolen, they go out and help the police with the investigations. They go out and conduct the security checks at the retail level that I was talking about. Because certainly the police will handle the cases when they can, but they have such a heavy workload with even bigger crimes than lottery ticket theft that we want to have people on staff to handle that because we feel it's part of our responsibility for administering these games. Have you had any incidents that you'd like to relate? Or? <laughs> that would be interesting <laughs> that to would our be readers. Interesting, yes. yeah. I'm trying to think. On the security front, we've had a couple people magically show up with different halves of the same ticket and both want to claim the prize and so then we've had to do an investigation to determine where was the ticket purchased and to find the security camera footage and things like that 
And then certainly there was that incredibly strange story with the hot lotto jackpot earlier this year that was claimed for about five minutes and then ultimately unclaimed when the folks walked away from the money. That was a situation that no lottery in the world had ever experienced. We essentially knew from the beginning that things did not smell right in that situation, and so we did the research that we needed to do when we were meeting with the folks to make sure that basically they didn't commit fraud against the state of Iowa, or they didn't get away with committing fraud against mm -hmm. the state of Iowa. The DCI continues to investigate that case today, and I don't know where it will ever end up. I think we're as curious as the next person to know what really did happen there? And truly, we hope that no one was harmed in the process. People joke, is there a body at the bottom of the river somewhere because somebody stole that ticket from someone? I mean, those are the kinds of things that hopefully are being ruled out even as we speak. But yeah, the interesting things that people try to do for money, you have to stay on your toes. We recently had two big Powerball winners here in Iowa, both this year, which we've never had two winners in the same year before two jackpot winners, I should say, in the same year before. And unfortunately, there has been a downside to that for our latest winners. Almost immediately, there started being scam emails that went around from people who claimed that they were the jackpot winners and that they were going to be giving away, I think they said, $15 million to unknown individuals. And if you were one of the lucky recipients getting the email, then you were one of the people who were going to get the money. And all you had to do was give them your information and they would, quote unquote, forward it to the processing bank. Well, you know what they would have been asking for. They would have been asking for your bank account information or your credit card information or your personal identification. So we warned people about that. Probably my funnest winner story was he was a fairly elderly gentleman. He didn't win a huge prize. And when I say it that way, then I kind of kick myself because you kind of do become immune to money when you work here because you pay $200 million to somebody, then a winner comes in with a $10,000 winning ticket and you think, oh, it's just a $10,000 winner. And then you think, what am I saying? If someone gave me $10,000, I would be happy. So this gentleman had won a scratch ticket prize and it was in the, the tens of thousands of dollars. And I had asked him, we just asked him questions just to hear their story because it's always fun to hear how they found out they won and what they're going to do with the money. So I had just casually asked him where he had kept the ticket over the weekend before he could come in and claim it. And he told me that he kept it in his dentures case because nobody would ever work there. And I just love that story because he's right. Nobody ever would look in the dentures. They would look everywhere else, but <laughs> probably not in the dentures tray. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why don't we get into the lottery organization? Sure. And Lottery is overseen by a board, so would you like to start at the board and kind of work your way through and tell us what this organization looks like? Sure. Back when the legislature was debating the lottery, I didn't work at the lottery at the time, but I've gone back and looked at the records, and one of the things that the legislature and the governor were most concerned about at the time was transparency. As I said, they knew that the people of Iowa wanted this kind of entertainment option available and they wanted to make that happen but at the same time they wanted to ensure that things would be run well and that people would have access to the information so one of the things that, that the governor and legislature did was to form a lottery board and so that board is appointed by the governor 
with the exception of the state treasurer who also serves on the board on a permanent basis as an ex officio member. So he doesn't vote on matters that come before the lottery board, but he does attend almost all of our meetings. And certainly as the treasurer, he wants to know how lottery sales are doing and how the proceeds are doing. The other five members are all appointed by the governor. Their terms begin and end in different years so that there would be continuity on the board if someone new is appointed. The members of the lottery board have to have different levels or different kinds of expertise. One of them has to have law enforcement experience, so we have a retired police chief who's on our board. One has to have marketing experience, so the gentleman who started the University of Okoboji up in the Great Lakes area serves on our board because he's a great marketer. We have to have someone who has accounting and law experience, so we have a CPA and practicing tax and estate planning attorney from Cedar Rapids who's on the board. We have another attorney from here in the Des Moines area who's also on the board, and then we have a private business owner from the Sioux City area who is on the board. So lots of different expertise there. The board of the lottery, along with the CEO, set the budget of the lottery, make adjustments to the budget, approve the budget, and then the board also receives reports and basically oversees all aspects of lottery operations. And they meet at least quarterly and approve all major contracts that the lottery is involved with, again, to ensure that there's private business expertise looking at those contracts and making sure that the state is getting good results from the contracts that it has out there. How big is the lottery, the organization? How many people work here? I think people would be surprised that it's actually a fairly small operation. We have, I think, about 114 employees, and we have five offices around the state, and that's for business cost reasons so that we're distributing tickets from five offices rather than trying to do everything from one central location. It helps hold down costs. It's also from a player convenience perspective. For example, if you live up in Decorah, you don't want to have to drive all the way to Des Moines to claim your prize. So we have offices in Council Bluffs, in Storm Lake, in Mason City, Cedar Rapids, and then our headquarters here in Des Moines. And in our regional offices, we have sales staff and then administrative staff who sell and cash tickets for folks. And then here at headquarters, we have our security division, which I've already referenced, our accounting division, because certainly you need to keep track of all that money that's flowing in and out, um, our marketing division, and then our general administration and external relations, which is my area, so that we're meeting with legislators and answering questions from the public. You mentioned the stores around the state and lottery tickets are sold in the convenience stores. Mm-hmm. How does that relationship work? How do you end up in the convenience stores? Lottery tickets are sold in about 2,400 businesses around the state. So it's a lot to keep track of. And they're sold in supermarkets, C-stores, which you have referenced, or convenience stores, I should say, gas stations. We have some other kinds of businesses, too, that sell lottery tickets. We have some laundry mats that have sold lottery tickets through the years. We have some bars that currently sell lottery tickets. So it's a mixture of businesses. The businesses that want to sell a lottery ticket, apply for a license to the lottery, and they have to go through a background and a financial check to ensure felons, for example, cannot own a business and sell lottery tickets because, again, it's about the integrity of the games and ensuring that someone who is a felon wouldn't somehow have access to those tickets or ownership, I should say, of those tickets when there's that much money involved. 
and then the financial background check as well to ensure that if they're selling the tickets, they can pay the state for the tickets that they're mm -hmm. selling. Each location that sells lottery tickets receives a commission from the lottery for selling the tickets, and it's anywhere from generally 5 to 7% um, on each ticket that they sell. So if it's a $1 ticket, it would be anywhere from $0.05 cents to $0.07 cents for each ticket because their staff are the ones doing the work as far as actually selling the tickets, and we do believe that they should be compensated for that. And it's a big boost to the economy for the stores, for those thousands of local retailers around the state. We're proud to know that we're helping local retailers that way. And last year, we, I think, provided retailers with about $21 million in income from selling lottery tickets. So it's a significant income stream out there. A few years ago, I'm not sure when it happened, the lottery became an authority. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What's the significance of that? And it's been a number of years. It was either 2003 or 2004. I want to say it was 2004 that the lottery became an authority. And at the time, there was a budget shortfall in the state. Um, income for the state waxes and wanes, and that was a lean year. And legislators were hoping that the lottery would be able to raise more money for the state than it had been before. So they had the discussion that they wanted the lottery to operate more like a business. So informing the Iowa Lottery Authority, it freed the lottery from some of the, I guess you would call it bureaucratic red tape to allow us to make business decisions more quickly and to make decisions with business surety to know that if the opportunity to participate in a new game came along or just any sort of opportunity that would come along that we could make a business decision, a budgetary decision, and know that we had the ability to make that decision and could respond to the market opportunity at the time it was presented as opposed to possibly having to wait a number of months to know whether or not we would have a budget decision from mm -hmm. legislators later. So at that time, the budget was put under the auspices of the CEO and the board, as we had discussed earlier. And then there were just some other, what I would call accounting changes that were made or just paperwork changes that were made to give the lottery greater speed. And I think the results speak for themselves. We have had increases in revenues nearly every year since that change was made and then this past year we had record proceeds to the state. So I think we have made smart business decisions and the results are showing, which is good. Mm -hmm. You mentioned other states early on in our conversation and we're all aware that the Powerball mm -hmm. goes nationally. How do we connect other states though? I mean, what's the relationship with other states in Iowa? It's an interesting phenomenon because there is a prohibition against a federal lottery, meaning there's not a national lottery in this country, which is a significant difference from lotteries in other parts of the world. If you go to Europe or if you go to China or Japan, the lotteries there are national lotteries, which if you can imagine the size of the lottery that would be here in the United States, it would be quite huge. So the lotteries are run on a state-by-state -state basis, and it's the state legislatures that determine whether or not there is a lottery in a particular state. There are still a handful of states that don't have lotteries. It's shrinking all the time. I think we're up to 44 or 45 states in the United States that have lotteries today. But the money that is raised from each individual lottery in order to comply with federal law and with state law needs to stay in that particular state. So when the idea of a multi-state game like Powerball or Mega Millions or Hot Lotto was being discussed, and they came up with a way that 
the states will pool their money to pay a particular jackpot so that when we, for example, had a $241 million jackpot earlier this year in Cedar Rapids, we didn't have to try to come up with all that money ourselves because that would have been a shock to the state budget. But the proceeds from the sale of the tickets stay in each individual state so that that's how it works. We're all part of the same game and we are selling tickets as part of one big game, but the money from Iowa Powerball tickets stays here and the money from Nebraska Powerball tickets stays in Nebraska. And that can be confusion for players in terms of they come to Iowa with a ticket from Nebraska or from Missouri and they want to be able to check their ticket here in Iowa, but they can't because we don't have the same computer systems. That's part of the prohibition that was put in place. So our computers here in Iowa can't read their tickets from Missouri and vice versa. And so we have to explain to people, I'm sorry, I know it's Powerball, but you have to check that in Missouri or online. Certainly you can check it on a website these days. When we look at the lottery, What's important for legislators to know about the lottery? I think first and foremost is the integrity aspect that we've already talked about. There has to be security. There has to be trust in the games or people wouldn't play. And then the lottery would end because if people didn't think that the games were being run securely and administered fairly, they wouldn't feel like they had the same shot of winning as maybe their neighbor or a friend of a friend who won the lottery. So we keep integrity at the heart of the matter every day. And second of all, I think is the impetus on the lottery to operate like a business. Legislators want to know that they can count on that lottery revenue stream. Now certainly they don't count on a specific dollar figure in any year because it can go up, it can go down, but they know that it's a valuable income stream to the state. And then I think also is just to know that we really do work hard to make it entertaining, to just make it something fun. We don't want people at the store to have to worry about all the things that we worry about behind the scenes. We just want them to enjoy playing the games and have fun with it, and that's what it's all about. So we work hard at it, but try to be lighthearted at the same time so that it doesn't get to be too great of a chore, right? I mean, we're giving Mm -hmm. away money. Who else gets to do that? (laughs) (laughs) One issue that I've heard about we haven't even touched on here today is the idea of problem gambling. I've heard the criticism coming toward the lottery for contributing to that. How do you all deal with that? That is another issue that we all keep in mind and we track the numbers very, very closely from 1-800-BETS-OFF, which is the statewide gambling treatment hotline that is administered by the Department of Public Health. I think the Iowa legislature and the governor's office did something just absolutely brilliant when they created the Iowa Gambling Treatment Program in that they made it an independent entity that is not part of the lottery or part of casinos. It's run by the Department of Public Health so that the focus stays on helping those who have issues with compulsion because that's where the focus should be in that regard. We at the lottery sell anywhere from six to $7 million in tickets every week if you break down the numbers. I mean, it's an incredible amount of money that's flowing in and out of the lottery every week. And when we look at the numbers from 1-800-BETS-OFF in the most recent year, I think the number of people who were admitted to treatment through that hotline and said that the lottery was their main form of entertainment was 28 or 29 not 2,900, but 28 or 29 period. So if you think that we're selling 6 million tickets a week and only 28 people cited the lottery as their main form of gambling that was causing them the problem, then we're proud of those numbers. We think that we're doing a good job of 
marketing our games and making them entertainment, but not going too far to perhaps cause people social concerns. One is too many, and that's why we have provided so much funding through the years to the gambling treatment program, because we want to make sure that if somebody does have a problem, help is available. The majority of the calls and the admissions to treatment through that program are related to illegal forms of gambling in the state, to sports betting, or to types of gambling that have a faster play style like slot machines or something like that. That seems to lead people to addiction more than the lottery, but it's something that we always keep our eye on because if we were to see the numbers start to rise dramatically, we would want to know what changed and what are we doing differently that caused that to happen. This has been very interesting. Is there anything else that we should mention about the lottery? One of the things that I was thinking about were the major issues on the horizon, and I think the major issue on the horizon for the lottery is the same major issue for just about any business today, and certainly for the casino side of things. It's been talked about here in Iowa for the last few years, and it's being talked about on the federal level as well, and that is the issue of online gambling. Certainly, it's where the business world is going. I don't think anybody would tell you that bricks and mortar or printed hard copy items are the future. They're certainly doing well today, but I think we as a lottery need to continue to be aware of that discussion and to make sure that we are experts on the issue. We don't have any plans to move in that direction today, but the lottery law is written in such a way that the lottery could be selling products online if it chose to do so. We just don't believe that now is the time to be doing it. We'd like to see what some other states do in that regard before we were to move in mm -hmm. that direction. Illinois became the first state in the nation to start selling tickets online, meaning on the internet. They did so starting this spring. Delaware is going to be jumping in later this year, and Georgia also has passed legislation in that regard. And there are discussions in state after state after state that you look at. It's a big issue. It's one that legislators and the governor's office certainly need to be aware of too so they're making the best informed decisions that they can when the time comes. So we have been raising this issue for the last three years at least because as I said we wanted people to know it's on the horizon. We don't want it to be something that were to come as a surprise to folks here but it's something that we'll continue to study and to look at. And I was trying to think of some other interesting incidents that you'd ask about earlier. There's another one that involved fortune cookies that maybe your folks listening to this will find funny. <laughs> there was one particular day, we talked about the science that goes into a lottery game, and for any particular drawing, we can predict approximately what the level of winning will be. Approximately how many prizes will be won at this particular level in a particular drawing, and it's based on the tickets being purchased and how many tickets are being purchased and things like that. And this one day, the numbers were just completely off the charts. They were so far out of whack that we couldn't figure out. Initially, there was concern that somebody fixed the drawing because there were so many winning tickets that night at like the, in Powerball at the time, it was the $200,000 level. That's where you match five numbers but miss the Powerball. So it's like the second biggest prize in the game. There were hundreds and hundreds of those winners that night across the nation. And as the winners started coming in, it turned out that they were all fortune cookie numbers. They had all bought fortune cookies. A lot of times when you get your fortune cookie on the back, there are six numbers on the fortune. Mm -hmm. And they were all playing the numbers on their fortune. And those numbers just happened to hit that night. We researched it, and it turns out that I think it's a company in Long Island 
produces almost all of the fortune cookies that are sold in the United States. And they hold their own little drawing at that company. And they like have a fishbowl and they take the numbers out of the fishbowl to determine what numbers get printed on the fortune cookies that day. So hundreds of thousands of fortune cookies, all with the same numbers on them, were in circulation or being eaten, I should say, <laughs> in the United States at that time. And the fortune cookie numbers just happened to hit. And yeah, it was funny because in state after state, it was one fortune cookie winner after another. So just when you think you have it all figured out, something weird like that happens and you realize that you, even with all the safeguards we have in place, you can't predict it all, but it sure is a lot of fun. <laughs> it sure sounds like it. Well, Mary, I really appreciate your taking time to talk with us about the lottery. And I'm sure the legislators and the rest of the public are going to enjoy finding out about us. Hearing about it. Well, and if anybody has any questions, I'm the legislative liaison here at the lottery. Again, my name is Mary Neubauer. They're welcome to give me a call. Our main number here at the lottery is 515-725-7900. And our website where we keep just about every statistic known to mankind is www.ialottery.com. So they can learn just about anything about the lottery there. Thanks, Dwayne. Sounds good. Thank you.